Um, we're, we've been doing a series called At the Movies. We take, I thought we were going to be taking current movies. Thank you, Cut Right. Dude, Shazam, that was phenomenal, right? Cut Right was the, he was the one that represented current movies. <laughs> All mine have been like so old. And so I, um, full disclosure, I was going to do Wonder Woman 1984 today. We, we love that movie. It's great. And, um, man, this week, God just started shifting where I was going. And I came to prayer Wednesday night. I told a couple people, like, during the hour of prayer Wednesday night, I think God changed my message, like, five times. And I kept saying to God, but, like, I don't know, do I even know five movies? I felt like Bridget last week, right, when she got up and said, me, preach about movies? I don't watch movies. I don't think I watch enough movies, right? So I was like, what movie would go with that? And a lot of prayer, and here's where we're going to land. Um, sometimes it's the absence of a thing that reveals the importance of a thing, right? Um, it's actually how I got called into ministry. I was a youth pastor, shocker, and I was working for like a hundred bucks a week. You know, we had like 50, 60 kids in the youth group. I loved it. I loved it. But as often happens in church, especially if you work in the church, I just got so hurt by the church. And so I just told God, I'm done. I don't know if you've ever been in that place. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with ministry. I love you, but I'm just not, I don't want to do this anymore. And so I moved to Columbia, South Carolina, Irmo, South Carolina. Actually, bless you. Bless you, woman who is the reason I moved to Irmo. Um, and pursued Wendy, actually pursued her dad, so I could get him to bless our marriage because he wasn't keen on me at the time. What was wrong with him, right? Come on. He did change his mind. It worked out. But I had to get a job, so I got a job at the YMCA. And I, I don't know if you know this. Maybe I taught some of you how to swim. I used to work at the YMCA here in town. And, and I don't take this personally. But it was absolutely my favorite job I've ever had. I taught kids how to swim, which basically means I got to play in the pool with kids and do weird things with my hair and make them enjoy the water. You see a lot of kids laughing. You help them get over the fear of water. Nobody drowned. It was great, right? Love that job. Moved to Columbia, and the YMCA in Columbia needed, a, needed somebody to work in their youth department. And so I was like, I mean, I was a youth pastor, and they were like, you're hired. So I worked um, with this. I was the youth director for the Columbia YMCA, and I just hung out with teenagers. And we, you know, we would play basketball, or they would play, and I would lose, and um, I, would, I would organize activities for them. And then I had to, um, I'm getting somewhere with this, and it's taking a while, but I, I had to run this thing called Youth, it was called YIP, Youth Incentive Program. So I, white dude, would drive a bus to the, poor section of town and I would pull up after school and these and they're always minorities and they would these kids that had earned the right to go to the YMCA would get on the bus and I would drive them to the Y and we would hang out have snacks all the kind of stuff and then I would take them back to the school and that was my job I remember one time um you know I, everybody says you look like certain people but one time I, this kid got on the bus and he he was staring at me so hard and he was probably like I don't know 6 or 7 years old and I was like what 
And he said, how did you get here so fast? I drove the bus. No, no, I just saw you on TV last night. How did you get here so fast? And I was like, you, you saw me on TV? Yeah, like you're that dude from In Living Color. Jim Carrey. And so I just said, well, you know, when you're rich like me, you can fly overnight. And anyway, it's just fun. So um, the point of that story is not that he thought I looked like Jim Carrey. But maybe I did. It's this. I was miserable. I was miserable. And I told God, I don't know why I'm so miserable. I'm hanging out with teenagers. I'm getting paid. I'm driving a bus. Kids think I'm Jim Carrey. Why am I miserable? And he said, because you're able to do everything you've ever wanted except preach the gospel. And it wasn't that they said I couldn't talk about Jesus. I mean, this was like, this was, they were actually the YMCA. But I just didn't preach. It wasn't, it wasn't church. It wasn't what I was called to do. And, and that was when I knew I was called to ministry. That's a preach for some of you. Some of you are waiting on a lightning bolt moment where God's moving all around you and you just feel called to the ministry. Sometimes it's the absence of something that reveals the value of something. And it was the absence of preaching the gospel that revealed to me that I was called to preach the gospel. It's, it's what we're going to see today. I believe this, that that's also how God has reminded the church about the value of community is that for the last two and a half some odd years, we've really, as capital C Church, struggled with how do we do community when we can't be around each other, we have to be socially distant, we have to have a mask, or maybe you don't want to do a mask, and maybe you should wear a mask, and I can't believe you're not, I'm, why are you mad at me for we, like It's divided the church. And we have, I think, starting to see that at the end of that, in, a, in a, a time where there was no real community, am I the only one that's starting to see the value of it? Like, I have people tell me all the time, like, can we just get together? What do you want to do? I, I don't play Uno. Can we just get together, right? And so this morning, we're going to talk about community. Um, and we're going to watch some clips from one of my favorite movies. It is a little bit older, but it's Castaway. Um, and if you're not familiar with the movie, I don't feel bad at all for spoiling it because you should have watched it by now. It's been out forever. But in the movie, Tom Hanks plays a character named Chuck Noland, and he works for FedEx. And he um, is just driven by time. He's like that guy that's like everything has to happen at the right time in the right order. And he's, he's in a plane crash, and he's the only survivor, and he ends up on an island. And we're going to pick it up with this first clip um, and see what's happening with him. So as he's going along the ocean, he starts collecting packages that were on the plane that had crashed, and one, he's opening them, and one of the packages was that volleyball. And that volleyball becomes Wilson. That's what he names him. And Wilson's actually the star of the movie. A volleyball, y'all. A volleyball um, is the star of the show. And what I think is interesting about that is that all of us, well, I shouldn't say all. Let's just do a quick test. Raise your hand if you've ever talked to yourself. Okay. All the people that didn't raise your hands, lying. 
lying to yourself, right? We talk to ourselves all the time. We talk to inanimate objects all the time like they're people. You've gotten in your car, right, late to work. That's another issue for another time. And it went, run, 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 run. And here's what you said. Come on, baby. 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 Come on. Start, start, start. Yeah, good girl, right? We talk to stuff all the time. And the reason that we do is not because we're crazy. It's because we were made for it. You and I were made from community. Community is literally in our DNA. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. You've heard this verse before, but let me read it to you. Then God said, let us, let who? Us. Who? Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Genesis 1, 26. Listen, the relationship that we see in the Trinity, and I know some of you are like, he said Trinity. I finally came to the church service where they're going to explain it, and I'm going to understand it. Sorry, no. One God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not one of them is more important than the other. They have a relationship that we'll never understand. I can try to give you analogy after analogy. I've got some pretty good ones. They're all going to break down because we're not God. But he is. And what matters here is that he said, let us make mankind in our image. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. We were made from community. The creator God in the Trinity, in that relationship, that's where we came from. He created us from community. It's important that you recognize that. And then we were made for community. You with me so far? Made from, made for. Everything, and we're not, we won't read all the first couple chapters of Genesis, but everything was good. You've, you've seen this, right? He, he created light and saw that it was good. He created plants, saw that they were good. You see all these good words in Genesis, all the way through Genesis chapter 1, halfway through Genesis chapter 2. And here's what the word for good, it's the word tov. And here's what it means in the Hebrew. It means good, beautiful, working the way it was created to. And everything's good, y'all. Everything's good. All the way through chapter 1, halfway through chapter 2, and it's verse 18 of chapter 2 where we hit the first not good. And here's what it says. The Lord said, it is not good, not beautiful, not working the way it was created to. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It's not good to be alone. The Hebrew, word for, the Hebrew word for not good, to be alone, that word alone is bad. You can't make this stuff up. It's bad to be alone. It's bad to be alone because that's not what we were made to be. It means that you've been separated. It means that you have been literally dismembered as a part of the body. It's bad to be alone. And here's what I want you to recognize that was said before sin entered the world. We haven't even gotten to the, the fruit, the serpent, 
the curses that came from all of that. And so, some of us, sometimes we're like, well, if, if sin wasn't in the world, I wouldn't be so needy. I'm just saying, like God said, it wasn't good for the man to be alone, and that was before sin had entered the world. We weren't made to work that way. Our need for relationship is not the result of sin. It is the, the, desi it is the design of the Creator. I don't have time to do this. Would you just write this down in your notes? Go to our website, thegatheringnow.com, and just Google made. Just Google the, the maker. I preached a message maybe a year, year and a half ago called The Maker, and, and it would be worth your time just to, to dive into that a little bit more, find the outline, and here's the gist of that. Raise your hand if you have an Apple phone. Be proud, y'all, because you're the winners. <laughs> Raise your hand if you have an Android phone. No shame in that, no shame, no shame. We're praying for you. <laughs> Apple phone, iPhone owners. When your iPhone breaks, do you schedule an appointment at the Android shop? Why? They didn't make it. You take it to the maker. When things break, you take it to the maker. When our relationships break, we, we, we go to, now again, none of these are bad. We go to counselors. We read books. We talk to friends. We, do all, we talk to everybody but the maker. He made us to need relationships. He made us not to be alone. And so when we struggle in our relationships, the wise thing to do is to go back to the one who made us to need relationships. Exodus chapter 18, verses 14 and 18, you just jot that down. It's when um, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, came. I hope you all have a good relationship with your father-in-law's. His father-in-law showed up and said, dude, what you're doing is not good. There's that not good again. He said, it's not good that you're doing all this ministry alone. Right? We weren't made to live alone. We weren't made to do ministry alone. God's answer to our not good problem was to make a helper suitable. Now, holy cow, I wish I could go into this. I don't have to. But the Hebrew word for suitable means this. In front of Opposite, corresponding to a counterpart. One more time. The Hebrew word for suitable. God said the answer to your not good aloneness is I will create a helper that is suitable. Everybody's looking for the right spouse, right? The word for suitable. In front of, opposite, corresponding to, a counterpart. We'll come back and dive into that a little bit more in just a minute, but let me just tell you this. This is not a statement about marriage. I just need to find the right guy because he'll complete me. I mean, he might help you be completed. If I could just find that, that girl, you know, that smoking hot girl, my life would be full and complete. Jesus was single. Paul was single. A lot of people are single. And they're not less human beings because they don't have a, a spouse who's their counterpart. That's not what this verse is about. Now, we read it at, at marriages, and it's cool, right? It's good for a man not to be alone, and I'm glad that this man was provided you because you'll help him a lot. He needs you. 
We quote these verses at marriage. There's nothing wrong with that. But this is not a marriage verse. This is a humanity verse. You and I were created to need relationship. This is is a statement about being isolated, cut off, and separate. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 8 through 12, verses 7 through 12. Listen to what it says. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. How was the man? All alone. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. You know why he wasn't content? He didn't have somebody in his life saying, dude, that's enough. Right? He just wanted to get more and more. For, who, for whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This, too, is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands. Invite Jesus into that relationship is not quickly broken. You are not made to be alone. You and I were made for community. Now, quickly, this is not the same as being in solitude. And, and as we, next month, we're going to start talking about some ancient wells that we need to reopen. And you'll hear me talk a lot about silence and solitude. There are some spiritual practices that are really, really good. And solitude is one of them. It's actually good for you to be by yourself from time to time. Right? But solitude is a voluntary choice to be alone for a season. What we're talking about here when God says it's not good for man to be alone is being isolated, feeling cut off, and sometimes cutting yourself off from the body that brings life. Two very different things. Um, let's watch this second clip, and hopefully that will help you understand even more. We're made for community. I love in that clip how Wilson helped Chuck figure out how to start fire. Wasn't that great? Again, like, it's a volleyball. You with me? A volleyball. And he's like, you're right. It's the air. Like, the volleyball's not talking to him, right? And then at the end when he's celebrating... He's, he's, is he alone? Well, yeah, he's alone. Who's he talking to? Whoever's listening out over the ocean, right? Look, I, I've, I've made fire. He's, we weren't made to celebrate alone either. Like everything we're, we do, we're made to do in community with others. And if there are not others there, you will find a volleyball. You will find somebody to celebrate with. I can't tell you, growing up, I struggled so much with loneliness. And my favorite activity was to go behind my parents' barn where the basketball goal was. And I would play game after game after game. And I was never really alone because there were always stands full of beautiful women. (laughs) Right? Who wanted to to date me because I always hit the game-winning shot. And if I missed a game-winning shot, no problem, foul, and I got to shoot free throws. And if I missed a free throw, lane violation, I mean, I could just orchestrate it so I could always hit the winning shot and be celebrated. Like, listen, there's something in us that needs people to say, I'm with you. And it's not a bad thing. It's a God thing. You were made that way. You were made to need community. And when we fight against that, we find ourselves fighting against the very God who made us that way. 
I hear this all the time. I love God, but I don't love the church. Have you had that conversation? I love Jesus. I just don't, I don't need the church. As if we could love God enough to not need people. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe like this is your last chance church attendance day. Like I'm coming to church, and if he hits a home run with a message, I might come back next week. If not, I'm going to wait till the next time that Bridget or Cut Right Preach, I'll come then, right? Maybe you're watching this, and the reason you're not here is because you're hurt by church. Okay, it's, it's cool. I don't need the church. I just need Jesus. And I'm just going to drop this little nugget on you. I've already mentioned it once, didn't really highlight it, but I'm going to highlight it one more time. Adam literally had fellowship with God, walked in the cool of the morning with God, had access to the entire world of good that God had made, and God said it still wasn't good for him to be alone. You can't love God enough out of community. I, I just, I, I don't need people. I just need Jesus. No, you need to stop living in sin. I'm sorry, was that too bold? You don't win points with God because you sit back and prove you don't need anybody. He made you to need people. He made you for community. You and I were made for community. Third clip, and then we'll talk about the last point. Read a comment online that said Tom Hanks is the only actor who can make us cry over losing a volleyball. Might be true. Here's your last point. Listen closely. We were made from community. It's in God's DNA, and it's in our DNA. We were made for community. But this last point is so critical. We are made in community. It's actually community that shapes us. And this is why we struggle with it so much. Because community hurts yeah, sometimes it hurts. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Let, let me just remind you again. When Adam was alone, before sin entered the world, God, who created him for community, right? He made him that way. He said, it's not good for this man to be alone. I'm going to create a helper that's suitable. Remember the definition for suitable from the Hebrew word? A counterpart. So basically, the gaps in Adam were filled by Eve. The gaps in Eve were filled by Adam. Again, not a marriage verse. Not a marriage verse. This is about how we're made. Paul in Corinthians talks about how everyone can't be an eye. He says, if all were an eye, where would the sense of smell be? Listen to this statement. The body disappears without differences. Oh, y'all. I'll say it again. The body disappears without differences. Get a bunch of friends who think like you, look like you, vote like you, read like you, talk like you, cheer for the same team. Make yourself a big old gigantic echo chamber. That's great. You know what you are? A whole bunch of arms cut off from bodies. That's what the Bible says. Our differences are what reveal the body. 
The problem is the differences are what make it hard to be the body sometimes. Like the, the nose is saying like to the armpit, dude, put on some deodorant. You smell horrible. The brain is telling the hands, put some socks on the feet, cover up those nasty yellow toenails, right? Like the body sometimes struggles with the body. We understand that. And I think the hardest part about community is what do I do when I don't really like the people I'm in community with? God is not surprised. He wrote a whole bunch of verses in the Bible about that. I'm just going to read a few of you for it. They're called the one another verses. There's tons of them, like over 60 verses in the, in the New Testament. Talk about one another. Here's just a few. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble. How humble? And gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Maybe it's just me. It sounds like there's going to take a lot of work. Right? Make every effort. You know what making every effort doesn't look like? Oh, you made me mad. I'll go somewhere else. I mean, God might call you somewhere else, and that's cool, but you know how you'll go there if God called you there? In peace. Probably with a goodbye. Be kind and compassionate to one another, Ephesians 4.32. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ God forgave you. Why would Paul mention forgiveness? It's almost like God knew that I was going to get on your nerves. That there would be times that you might need to forgive me, and I might need to forgive you. Anybody feel like this sounds like family? <laughs> yeah. Philippians 2.3, do nothing. Do what? I mean, even anything? He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, that's that same humility where we're called to be completely humble. In humility, value others above yourselves. Oh, my gosh. What would happen if when we have conversations with different opinions, what if we started reacting like this? Ooh, that's a good point. Talk to me a little bit more about that. If we actually valued them above ourselves. Now, we might find out that what they think is completely wrong. But you can value a person without agreeing with their position. If you're completely humble. Right? First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians. I cannot say that. Five verses 14 and 15. Last one, then we'll get ready to wrap it up. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened, the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. How, who? <laughs> Just make sure you heard that. Make sure that nobody. Who? Nobody. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. I know that we always strive to do what's good for, my, for me, Right? I mean, I, everybody tries to do what's good for themselves, but he says always strive to do what's good for each other and for everyone else. And that's the issue. What do we do when community that we're made for hurts? What do we do? And I believe this. That's the issue facing the church right now. I mean, not just our church, but the church. 
What do we do when the community hurts us? And I think we can find the answer in this last clip. Now, let me set it up this way. Chuck um, has gotten off the island four years later and a lot skinnier, right? And he's finally back home, and he was, he's found his fiancée, and she's, been, she's married to another man four years later. So they thought he was dead. He's devastated, and we're going to pick it up. He's talking with a friend about what he should do next. I think that's the answer, right? Not that we turn our back on community, but that we begin to understand seasons and rhythms, that we begin to say to God, thank you for the, the season, the rhythm that I had that community. And gosh, I wish that, I, like you said, I wish, I wish I had her, but I'm so glad I had her on the island, right? I'm so glad I had that memory to get me through. But now that I'm here, I've got to re-engage. And that's what I'm calling you to. It's time for us to re-engage in community. I, community on earth in the church is supposed to represent the community of heaven, right? Now, can we just play with that word a little bit, represent? We're supposed to re-present. So every time we gather in community, every time we get together, we... Iron sharpens iron, you know, it's like, oh, this was, this was more conflict than community, and I don't know if I liked it. Every time that happens and we stay at it and we grow our roots deep together, what we're doing is we're representing the community of heaven to our city, to one another. We're representing that. And when we bump up against each other and then we're like, oh, I'm done with that, out. That's not an accurate representation of the community of heaven. That's not the DNA that we were given, right? And so I'm calling you to re-engage with that, like re-engage with community on earth. What does that look like? It looks like people for sure, right? You're going to be around people. It looks like you're not going to isolate. It looks like we're not going to draw the shades whenever we are hurt by somebody. But we're going to find a way to allow the Holy Spirit to re-engage with those people. That's what that looks like. Now, practically speaking, we're starting community groups back in the fall. I didn't preach this message to excite you about that because community is not what we do. Community is who we are. Please write that down. Community is not what we do. Community is who we are. It's in our DNA which is why, you know what's crazy? We say, well, we're going to start community groups back in the fall. We're actually not starting them back. Community has been happening the whole time. Do you know why? We were made for it. And so people were like, well, if the church can't start it back yet, that's cool, but we're going to go ahead and get together. That's the point. That's what community is all about. We just want to have a ton of that happening all across the city in the fall. So, practically speaking, here's one way you could apply this message. Tonight at 6 o'clock, right here, we're just going to have an interest meeting. If you're interested in community groups and just what, what will they look like, how would I do it, how could I host it, how could I lead it, how could I convince somebody to lead it so I can go to it, I, whatever. You're just interested. What does it even mean? Just come back tonight. We'll be here for like about an hour at the most talking about that. 
Right now, what it looks like for some of us in the room is giving God hurt and saying, heal that hurt, God. Because he's calling us back to community, and for some of us, that's the very thing that hurt us. So can we just, in the quietness of the moment, can I pray for you? Um, Would you just close your eyes? And if there's hurt in your life in this area, would you be willing to just raise your hand right now and say, that's me? Because I want to pray for you. Yeah, thank you so much, y'all. Thank you for being honest. Yeah. So, God, I just pray now for those hands that were raised. And, Lord, what, what a courageous thing to say, you know what? I recognize that God made me for people, but, man, people have hurt me. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God who understands that and yet calls us beyond it. And so I just pray right now for the Holy Spirit just to begin to heal the hurts in those hearts. Because, God, now more than ever, boy, do we need each other in the the big C church. Man, we need each other because we're getting back to what you made us to be. And we recognize that community is not even an option. If we were in a room alone, we would find a way to create community. It's how you made us. And so, God, as we take steps forward as a church for sure, but as followers of Jesus in the area of community, I pray, God, that you would not just challenge and convict us, but also inspire us, God, with the fruit that comes from a life lived in authentic biblical community. Literally, the gospel spread like wildfire in Acts because believers lived in community together. And so, God, I pray that you would do that in our body. I pray that there would be a day when more people would be in groups at the gathering than would be here on a Sunday morning that it would be a way for us to infect the city with your heavenly DNA. And we make ourselves available for it. In your name, Jesus, amen.